Today we're going to talk about this. It takes a city. The last two weeks we've been talking about the core belief that, that, that New City is built upon, which is called the Shema out of Deuteronomy, Old Testament book, Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. It's this declaration that Jesus is Lord. He is the leader of our life. And so the, 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 the reason we started there is because we talked about how if you were to list out all of the key things in your life, and you could pick out your key areas, right? It might be education, government, work, money, entertainment, family, dating, marriage, parenting. Like you could list out all of the areas of your life that, are, that kind of consume your time. And then underneath each, uh, each column on all your rows, uh, rows, list out all of the influences that you have on that column. So I know that there are people in your life that try to tell you how to spend your money, right? Some are clear, like your parents or your family members or maybe an investor guy from wherever, right? Maybe it's your bank or maybe it's just media or Amazon or TV saying, buy me, buy me, buy me. But there are voices uh, and things that are telling you, hey, here's how you should spend your money. Here's how you should parent. Here's how you should do life. Here's how you should be an adult. Here's, I mean, there's, there's all of these people that are always telling you what you should do, and rarely do they all line up to the same thing. And so if you're a person, by the way, that's called polytheism. You have many voices, many gods in your life trying to tell you what's right. And the beautiful thing about the Bible and the beautiful thing about the, the people of Israel and about Christians is that we say, no, 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 we get that there's all kinds of voices out there leading us, but our Lord, our Savior, our primary voice, voice is Jesus. He is the Lord. He is the leader. He is the boss of my life. And what's beautiful is he doesn't change. Like what he tells me is okay today is going to be okay next week as well. My mom has changed her mind over the years. I don't know if your mom ever has, Right. You've changed your mind over the years, right? We are fickle. We are changing. God is not. Last week, we talked about how God is a gift giver out of Ephesians chapter 4. And we talked about how God has given gifts of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. We even have a little test that you guys could take to kind of see kind of where you fell on that. It was a test. I don't know if we have that slide. Maybe we could put up there. I don't know if it's easy to get to or not. But you can still do this and send it in to us. We're, we've been getting a lot of emails this week. A lot of you have d- taken this uh, survey and emailed it back to apest at newcitychurch.com, but fivefoldsurvey.com. It's 80 questions about you. Don't, don't take it in what you hope to be. Take it on what's the reality. And today we're going to talk about um, one of the reasons, maybe the primary reason that New City Church is able to function as we do. All right? Like we have a secret at New City Church. We have a secret, Right? Not the McConnor Gregor secret, right? You know, he read the book. This, we don't have that. We have Jesus. It's, he's not a secret. He kind of tells you what he wants. Um, our secret is this word multiply. Because we are a church that practices multiplication, we are, have the ability to go from one location to two. We have a campus in Shawnee, and we have a campus in Edgerton. One church, two locations. Because we are a church that multiplies, we don't have one service on Sunday. We have four right? And, and many of you know this, that while you're sitting here, there are people in all kinds of rooms around us who are taking care of our children, who are putting away the coffee and the donuts, who are sweeping the lobby floor, who are changing some trash bins that need to be changed, who are burping little babies, maybe your child, right? Or cleaning up your child's mess over in elementary. Our student city ministries meeting right now over in our student area. Like there are a lot of things taking place right now at 1130 at New City Church. The reason that all those things are able to take place is because we are a church that multiplies. We are a church that not only says, hey, this is what I do, but hey, this is what I do. Let me show you how to do it so that you can do this with me, right? And for that reason, when you factor in Shawnee and Edgerton, there are seven Sunday services, completely volunteer-led, and it's pretty remarkable. It's a fun, fun thing. 
And about once a year, I get up here and I give a really clear, hopefully clear and pointed message about multiplication. And I'm going to do that today. Some of you are going to think today is awkward. And I'm okay with that, right? Awkward's good. And then also, after the awkwardness, we're going to have a time uh, to care and to minister to one another by a time of praying. And it's been a fun day already. Uh, this idea of multiplication is very biblical, and I want, to, I want to give you two sources this morning that we're going to learn from, although there's multiple, uh, pun intended, multiple places that you can look. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you one from the Old Testament and one from the New. And so I'm going to start, we've taken a survey, I want to start now with a pop quiz, Okay. The two people that we're going to use this morning are the two groups. From the Old Testament, we're going to look at the life of Moses. And in the New Testament, we're going to look at the disciples. Okay? So here, you get to talk in church. Are you ready for this? What is the one thing? Now, Moses did a lot of things. But what's the one thing that Moses is, the, is most known for? If you've already been here, don't act like you're smart and repeat what you already heard. All right? So if you've already attended, just shh. But what is the one thing, and he's a bunch, that Moses is most known for in his ministry? What did Moses do? He led people out of Egypt. That's good, right? And you would be right, but I wrote this test, and so I'm looking for a different answer, okay? Huh? What's that? He was a prophet of God. What? He obeyed the Lord. He came down with something. There we go. Ten Commandments, right? Moses is most known today at New City Church for the Ten Commandments. You guys are aware of those, right? We call them, sometimes we call them the Ten Suggestions. Anyway, uh, I'm kidding. We don't call those those. Um, the Ten Commandments. And so what about the disciples? Okay, what are the disciples most known for? What did the men who walked with Jesus, what did they most accomplish in their life? Good job. Who spent it? Tasha? So spreading of the gospel. Bingo, winner, winner, chicken, dinner. You got it right. All right? So Moses brought down the Ten Commandments from Sinai. The disciples spread the gospel. Here's my second question for you this morning. Do you know what they did that allowed them to accomplish these two things? What did Moses do that allowed him the ability to bring the Ten Commandments? What did the disciples do that allowed them to spread the gospel? What about Moses? What did Moses do? What's that? He listened and obeyed, but who did he listen and obey to? Oh, see, it's not so spiritual sometimes. He listened and obeyed to his father-in-law. And all the father-in-laws go, that's right. Is there any father-in-laws in the room? Yeah? No? Good. Right? But Moses listened to his father-in-law Jethro, and we're going to see this, and did everything that he said, and it really opened the door for Moses. So we're going to discover that. And what about the disciples? What did they do that allowed them to go and spread the gospel? What do you think? They did. They did something after they listened to the Holy Spirit, though. They had a problem. Come on. You're like, oh, I should have read my Bible this week. <laughs> right? Yeah, but who, who said that? Yeah, awesome. Brandy, yeah, they, they had a problem, and so they, elect, they selected seven qualified people, right? They, they led, raised up deacons. And so we're going to read in the Scriptures those two accounts, Moses and uh, the disciples, and see how it, what it means for you on a personal level, but also for the life of New City Church. So let's jump in, Exodus chapter 18, and let's see if this whole idea of multiplication it's actually all that biblical. Exodus 18, verse 13, it starts off this way. The next day, so the previous day, here's what happened. Jethro shows up. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law, and he comes to town with Moses' wife and his kids. 
and Moses tells Jethro all the things that God has done about the escape from Egypt through the Red Sea, all the plagues, all the things that have happened. And Jethro's mind is blown. He's so impressed that he actually begins to worship the same God that Moses follows. So Jethro becomes a God-fearing man. He moves away from having many gods in his life, and he, like Moses, says, there's one God. And he just led you, and he's, he's blown away. So they throw a huge party, okay? Big, big party, Exodus 18, verses 1 through 12, starting in 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. So Moses was super important. He was so important that he was like Joe's Kansas City. And every day he looked out of his tent and the line was out the door and wrapped around the building, waiting to get in front of Moses so he could solve all their problems. And you know, right, like, here's the thing I'm asking some of us. What are the things that we're currently doing that really impress ourselves? Like, look how, look how beneficial I am to this, right? Because my observation of this scripture, because I know what happens next in Exodus chapter 19, because do you know what happens next? What happens, what do you think happens in Exodus chapter 19? Moses is waiting on these people, hand and foot, all by himself. Jethro says, this isn't good. Set up men to handle thousands, one hundreds, fifties, and tens. And it says, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did it. Do you know what happens next in Exodus 19? Take a guess. If you have your Bible, you can turn and look, actually. All right? Open. Yeah. He sets up this whole leadership structure. Exodus chapter 19, God summons Moses to the top of Mount Sinai. 18, there's a problem. There's no leadership. It's all Moses. Jethro says, not good. Set this up. Exodus 19, Moses is summoned by God to the top of Sinai, not for a 30-minute meeting, but for 40 days and 40 nights. My observation as I read that scripture is it would have been impossible for Moses to get away from all the people who needed him at every moment of the day to go for a month, over a month, to spend time with the Lord on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. Crazy story found in Exodus 19. You ought to read it if you haven't. But there's no way he would have been able to get away from the needs of the people because they would have just fallen apart. See, my observation is this. When you and I multiply our life, when you and I listen to Jethro as Moses did, it allows us to do things that God has called us to that we can't currently do. Some of us in this room have dreams. We have passions. We, we, we kind of see where things are going to go for our life. And sometimes it's so real, like you can almost taste it. You can touch, touch it. You've got money put aside for it. You've got plans drawn. You've got business proposals. Like you've got it in your journal, in your diary. Like you have this dream, right? It just hasn't happened yet. And 
Can I maybe give you a reason why your dreams and my dreams and our dreams haven't happened yet? Can I, can I, can I share something with you based on Moses' life? Is that if, if God is a good, good father, and if God is a perfect, perfect planner, and if God is a master creator who simply loves you and I, why would a good father, a perfect planner, a, a master creator, why would he kill you, destroy you, squash you with his blessings and favor? He wouldn't do that. Just because we see it, just because we know what could be, doesn't mean that God's going to give it to us. This is kind of the thing that I wrote down this week, guys, is that church, when we are ready to receive it, God will give it. When you are ready to receive it, God will give it to you. But if you're so busy just handling today and all the stuff and worries that come with today, why in the world would, why in the world would God give you more? It would simply crush you. Your dream would crush you. His favor would crush you, and God loves you too much to crush you. Multiply your life. Get your stuff in order. Get ready so that you can maintain, handle, manage the blessing that God wants to give. I, I'm going to trust that your dream is a God-honoring dream. I'm going to trust that your passion is something that you're going to use to bless God's people and God's kingdom, and it's going to be good for the kingdom of God. And even so, like, do you think the Ten Commandments were good for the people? Yeah, but God was not going to give those. He couldn't get Moses to where he wanted him to be until Moses multiplied his life. Are you so busy doing really, really good things that make you feel good about yourself that you are just simply not in the place where God can bless you the way that he wants to? Could be. I'm confident that the enemy keeps you just enough busy with good things that you miss the God stuff in your life. But when we listen to people in our life, as Moses listened to Jethro, and we go, wow, you know what? Why am I doing this? Why am There is no reason for me to be doing... Like, was Moses too good to handle disputes? No, right? Moses wasn't too good. He's not too arrogant. Hey, you guys handle this little stuff. I'm going on the mountaintop, baby. That's not, what, that's not how it happened. You know what? If we were there, I'm curious if we would have uh, noticed this. I'm curious if in that moment where Moses said... You, 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 you. And he brought them around and he gave them responsibilities. I wonder if we would have noticed people going, thank you, Moses, about time. I've been sitting over here watching you going, I can totally do that. Some of us in this room, we love to lead. Like you're itching to lead. Like you coming to church and sitting on your butt does nothing for you. Right? Not that you don't like me. Right? I know you love me, right? But you want to lead. You want to have responsibility. You want to have some skin in the game. That's the way that I'm wired. If you told me all I had to do for the rest of my life was go to church on Sunday, eh, I'm probably going to do something else. I'm being honest. Like, I got to have something to do. I got to have somebody to pray for. I got to have somebody that needs me for something or I get bored. When I was a young guy, when I was 19, you know what my very first ministry job was? It was a super awesome one. I stacked chairs and picked up the trash after the student ministry program on Wednesday nights. Chad Wood asked me if I would stack chairs and pick up the trash. You bet your butt I will, honey. Sorry for the little ones. You bet I will. Man, and I stacked those chairs, and I got people to help me stack those chairs. Ten high. Don't do 11. Don't do nine. We stack them ten high. And when you're done stacking them, you drag them over against the wall so the kids can run and not knock on you. Right? We just, and you know what's crazy is I was stacking chairs. There were some people that didn't want to stack chairs. And they'd watch me stack chairs. You believe that? But I didn't mind because I was getting to do something. And after a while, Chad said, hey, do you want to lead a small group? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'll take your job if you'll give it to me, right? Like, yeah, I'll do it. You know how big my first small group was? 
three kids, Aaron, Ashley, and TJ. I remember them. And I treated those three like it was 300. I wanted to play. I wanted something to do. Some of you, that's how you're wired, right? Like you're like, woo, let's do this. It's kind of that apostolic in you, kind of that evangelist in you. You want to get involved and you want to get out there. Man, let us know that. We want to give you the opportunities to lead. I don't want you to get bored here. That's what I'm saying. I don't want you to get bored with ministry. Now, sometimes, sometimes the way that God brings this leadership out of us and into you or out of you and into others is he creates a pain point. Because sometimes we just don't listen to Jethro. Sometimes we just choose not to multiply. We just like to kind of stay in our own little deal. And so what God does is God allows pain to come into your life, discomfort, where you have to get outside of yourself if the organization is going to continue to grow, right? And this is revealed in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, we're going to go to the New Testament now, and we're going to look at what the disciples encountered as their ministry was growing. We know from Acts 5 and 4 that the Lord was adding to their number daily. They were so united in their love and their compassion for one another that the neighborhood was taking notice. And so we read this in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days, when the church was booming, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Remember, the disciples were sharing everything they had, right? And people were being overlooked. So the twelve gathered all of the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Were the disciples too good to wait on tables? Not at all. But that wasn't what God had asked them to do. They were willing to do it. Apparently, they were doing it. But things were getting overlooked. Now, it had grown outside their area of care, right? Their shepherding arms were too big to handle what was given to them. And now people are getting overlooked. And so, whoa, problem, right? And I mean, they complained enough that it made the Bible. Think about that, right? They complained enough that it made the Bible. Come on, that's pretty, that's pretty significant, right? And some of you are bound and determined to make the Bible, right? And you're kidding. All right, so... Okay, look, so what happens? Notice this, verse, uh, verse 5. So they would say, hey, let's select people. Verse 5, this proposal pleased the whole group, which is amazing in itself. So, it, so they're going to do it. Verse 7, notice this. So the word of God spread because they made this proposal, select seven guys, let them oversee this. People found it pleasing. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased how so? Come on, they increased how so? Rapidly. All of a sudden, this is no longer on the disciples' table. They no longer have to lead this good thing. And now they're able to focus on prayer and the spreading of the gospel and discipling. Boom, it explodes rapidly. Notice this next part. Don't miss it. In, the, in a large group of what? Priests. This is why that's significant. The priests were the most interwoven with the temple structure, with the sacrifices and the prayers. Like They were the heart and soul of this thing. And the disciples are getting to the very core of the Jewish faith when they start converting priests into believing that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who was sent from God, who died on the cross and resurrected on the third day. When they, they, they're, they're, they were so uh, winning so much that the priests, those that most rooted, were coming to know Jesus. This is remarkable. What could happen in your life 
if we stop doing the good thing and we allowed other people to do it that is right up their alley and they're being blessed by it, they don't see it as a burden. They, they, like I'm, I'm Again, if we were to see the seven, Stephen and the other guys, uh, Philip, who were selected to be these deacons, I bet they were beaming and booming with, with excitement that they get to lead and they get to do something for this early, early church. But let's also look what happens when we choose not to do that. What if New City said this? What if I put a big decree on the wall and said, no more multiplying? We will not, at home you can do what you want. But here, right, here we will no longer make babies, right? We will no longer train up people to do what we do. So whatever volunteers we have now, that's all we're going to have. So no more Kid City Elementary, no more Kid City Preschool. What We're going to keep what we got. We're going to take care of them and love the snot out of them. No more additions to the band. No more additions to First Impressions. No more. Yet, yet we're going to keep growing numerically. So keep telling your friends... Keep inviting your neighbors, but we're not going to multiply. Here's what will happen, because it's what happened to the early church. If we do not multiply our lives, people's needs will not be met. If we do not multiply our lives, people will be left out. If we do not multiply our lives, people will complain. And if we do not multiply our lives, people will eventually leave. And folks, if you're new to that in New City Church... People leaving because their needs aren't being met and because nobody knows them is completely unacceptable with me. It's a no-no. And so that's why about once a year, two times a year, I give this type of message, right? And so I'm going to have some fun. Remember I talked about that awkward part? I don't really think it's all that awkward. People have been actually grateful for it today. If you were to go out into our lobby and go to the welcome desk, you'll see pieces of paper like this. And these pieces of paper are the different types of ministries that New City Church provides. We don't have a ton of, we're like a, almost, we're like a simple church. We don't have a lot of different things. We just kind of have several, just a few lanes of specific ministries. And that's done on purpose, right? Um, because, yeah, it's just, that's a whole other message. But here's what I'd like for you to do. I'm going to call out a ministry area. And if you serve on this ministry team, I want to invite you to stand up, okay, if you're able to, and we're going to applaud your service to this ministry that we call New City Church. I know that's the awkward part for some of you. And, um, and I want you to remain standing, okay? Right? So, compassion team. If you're on the compassion team, would, would, you, would you please stand? Awesome. So, if you guys turn around, this is Joan over here. Hey, Joan. And this is Jim and Margaret Plummer. And the compassion team, if you don't know, it's kind of like New City Ninjas. Like New City, because of our generosity, we keep them resourced with money. And when somebody within the church family has a need, they go to Jim and Margaret, to the compassion team and Joan, and they meet with you and they listen to your request and they make a decision. I don't make the decision. All I do is give them money through the body of New City Church, right? And so they, about monthly, will send me an email or let me know, hey, we've helped this many people, not names. So you could be, a, uh, you could be someone who has benefited from the compassion team and I do, I do not know it, right? I don't want to know it, right? It's our ministry to you. They know it but they're great at keeping secrets, okay? They tell people no, right? Because sadly, we've been taken advantage of in the past, so we've, it stinks, but people do that, and they tell people yes a lot more than they tell them no. But that's the confession. Thank you, guys. Don't Keep standing. Joan, keep standing. Sorry. I should have made you guys go last. How about the worship arts team? Band, tech, uh, graphics crew, anybody that does anything like that, why don't you stand? Awesome. Can we give these guys a hand? All right. Now, what you don't know about Jonathan and Bailey and Marjorie and Aiden and all these things. So like when these guys choose to be on the worship team on that weekend, they come Thursday night for about an hour and a half practice. And then their Sunday starts at 730 a.m. 
So Darla's a mommy. She's also a wife. So when she gives her time uh, for the worship team, there's a lot of time required. So this is not for everybody, right? Because you're like, you guys are crazy. But they put in a lot of time. That's why we love them the most. I'm kidding. Right? We love them equally. We love them equally. And, and the tech crew, Dennis and Melissa, are back here right now. And everything that you see on the screens, of uh, the words that you see, uh, they are the ones that... Uh, Melissa, yeah, Dennis is just pointing to his wife. They're the ones that do that. How about Kid City Elementary? Our kindergartners through our awesome... Clay and Kenny, fantastic. And Kid City Preschool. Preschool can stand up too. Awesome. Preschool guys. Awesome. They take care of our kiddos. Can we say uh, thank you to these folks? We've been doing this all day long. Keep standing. And this is really important to me because this is where my little boogers live on Sunday morning. They're here for three services, right? And so like they should be smarter than everybody else's kids concerning Jesus. I don't know what's happening anyway, but it's a, it's a good thing. These guys love on my kiddos. And, it's, and they live on your kiddos. And it's not babysitting. They're teaching these little ones. Like, Michael, they're going to be teaching your little one how to love Jesus as they grow up. That's fantastic, right? Because we need help at home. Anybody else need help at home? Yeah, if you don't think you do, you need help most, okay? All right, our student ministry, they're all over there right now. They've got student ministry going on right now. Margie's in the back. She's skipping out. First impressions, uh, cafe, ushers, greeters, uh, baptism team. Yeah, awesome. Let's give these guys a hand. They welcome us and they greet us. Did anybody drink coffee this morning? We do not have coffee fairies. There's a team that gets here and they make coffee, right? Uh, in our foster and adoption ministry. Anybody serve on our foster adoption ministry uh, this morning at New City? Kim, are you on? Awesome. So Kim, what, Kim is, a, a, what would you guess, an advocate? Is that what we call them? Or? Yeah, so if you're a foster mom or daddy, Kim might be one of the people that meets with you to see what needs you have and then takes it to a larger body to meet those needs. It's fantastic, right? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want those of you who are sitting down to look around the room and see if, there, see if you can identify anybody that you know well. Like, you know enough that you know their name. Just kind of look around, see if there's anybody that you know, uh, you know their face. All right? Okay. Now, here is my next request. Um, what would it look like? Well, let's do this. Why don't, why don't everybody stand? Everybody stand up with me. Come on, everybody stand. What might God be able to do with the church body when everybody said, I, I do something? That there's a part that I play. There is a way that I serve. There's a way that I give. See, like I'm not asking even for a, 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 a weekly commitment. Once a month, right? Once a month. Did you know that the congregation at New City Church is so large? that there is absolutely no reason for us to have a ministry gap anywhere in our four services on Sunday? Zero. Like, there's enough adults. Even at the, like, we should be able to not only staff every single gap at New City Church, we should also have, we have enough people to start a third location. We really do. Maybe even a fourth, but I'm getting ahead of myself, right? Now, I want you guys to all be seated real quick. If you were seated prior to me having everyone stand up, and you call this place home, whether you're a college age or a senior citizen, if you call this place home, this is where you go to church, I would ask you to think back on the people that you saw standing. Who do you know that you could go up to them after service and say, I don't know what you do, but next week I'm doing it with you. I don't know what you do. You can come stand by me. If you think you're scared, bold enough to get up here, baby, and see all these faces looking back, right? I'll teach you to teach, right? I'll let you see. It ain't as easy as I make it look, baby. I'll tell you that, right? But man, to find somebody that will stand and go, I don't know what you do, 
but I want to do it with you next week. Will you teach me? Will you train me? Now, why is that? Because I don't know how that made you feel. I don't know if when I had you stand, if that made you feel awkward. If you were seated, you felt like you, I was calling you out. I don't know how that made you feel, but I want to talk about how I feel. Can I talk to you about my feelings? My, my, I said feelings. My feeling, I have one, right? Can I talk about my, no, is this. Um, here's what I know about everybody in this room. Everybody in this room at some point was a first-time guest. And the reason I know that is because I started this church with my wife, and none of you guys came with me, right? And so at some point, everybody in this room walked in the room the first time. And when you came into the room the first time, here's what probably happened to you. Somebody greeted you at the door. Somebody pointed you to get you a cup of coffee or you made your way over to the hot coffee. You might have ate a donut or a Danish or something else that's not healthy for you. you somebody might have pointed you to the restroom or you found it on your own. Somebody greeted you when you walked in these doors and gave you a piece of paper and said, welcome to New City Church. And, so, and then you heard the worship and then you heard me and all of those things that you might have enjoyed. Um, some days maybe more than others. But somebody did something enough that you came back a second time. And some of you are second-time guests. Some of you are first-time guests here today at 1130. But many of you, I know, and you're no longer first-timers, second-timers, third-timers. You're not even regulars. Like, this is your home church. And something has happened along that journey for you to say, hey, this is where I go. My question to all of us is, will you now do that for somebody else? Because here's my feelings. Every, almost every Sunday, I stand right here for four times, and I look out at faces. Last week at 10 o'clock, I didn't hardly know anybody in the room. And as I'm looking at these strangers, I'm asking myself, do my regulars, do the people who call this place home, do they see what I see? And do they feel what I feel? Do they care enough about this family that they're going to do for them what somebody has done for them? Guys, if we don't multiply, here's what's going to happen. New people are going to keep coming. Here's what I love about what the Lord's doing. We have no Google AdWords going on currently. We have no Facebook ads going on currently. We have no billboards. We have no mailers. We have no door hangers. And yet every single Sunday, new people show up. And the Lord added to our number daily. And when they come in, it is of utmost important to me that if God is going to trust people, families, they are either coming to hear the word of God for the first time or they're making their way back to this idea of church, something they thought was old and worn and no longer useful, it is on us, not just me, us, that we welcome them into the family and that we minister to them. Shame on you and I if that mom and dad take their three kids to preschool or elementary and walk in with their diaper bags and look around the room and go, honey, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like there's enough volunteers. Now, I'll brag on our Kid City team. They're fantastic. And they're, they're good, right? But you know why we do four services? It's not because we don't have enough chairs. Look around. There's a lot of empty chairs at 1130. We have no more walls to knock down. In our rooms in Kid City Preschool and Kid City Elementary, we're crowded with kids and leaders. Not just kids, kids and leaders. And there's no more walls to knock down, so we add a fourth service to create space for moms and dads to spread out their schedule and come. But people keep having babies in this church. Nobody owns a TV, apparently, right? <laughs> Multiplication is one of our favorite things. I'm a big fan of it, right? I'm a big fan of it. But here's the deal, and we want that. But we have to continue to multiply to care for those families. Men, to know that people are being cared for and loved on and greeted and prayed for and their needs are being met and their needs are being heard. You can't meet a need if you don't know that need. Um, 
this is truth in my life. This is the only place I come to, besides my home, where people pray for me, where people ask me how I'm doing, where people care for my kids, like not just teaching them, but they, that, like they love my children. I go to Starbucks every day, sometimes twice a day. And they're super friendly to me there. They love me. But no one's ever offered to pray for me there. And they'll ask me how my day's going. And even when I'm honest and say, ah, it's a crappy day, nobody walks around that corner and comes and sits by me and says, hey, what can I, you know, not, no pastoral care. My son plays baseball. Uh, Christy's in gymnastics. Allie plays soccer. Never has a coach. Never has a parent. Never has the team gathered around me and said, Matt, can we pray for you? Can we care for you? What's going on? Nobody from any of those organizations have ever stopped by my house or stopped by my place of work to say, hey, what's going on in your life? How you doing? I've never received a text from any of those people saying, hey, praying for you today, thinking about you today. But their kindness and there's care in all those organizations. This is the only place outside my home where I know people love me, they care for me, and they pray for me. Why do I know this? Because they actually, I get to experience. I don't read about it in a pamphlet. I don't read about it on a book. I see it. I feel it. I get to, I get to be a part of that. And let me just be arrogant enough to say the same thing for you. What other places, and God bless you if you have multiple ones, that you get to go to where people truly love you, where you are. You guys are all jacked up. You know that, right? I mean, I have conversations with you, and I give a lot more hugs. I want to give a lot more headlocks, right? Where else do you get to go and dump out your stuff and not be received with skepticism or a pointed finger but with can i pray for you because god has a plan come on and because i know that happens and by the way it's not just organic it doesn't just happen it happens on purpose because that's who we are that when a new family comes into this place i need the new folks who are just now calling new city home to be in a place where you stand to and say yeah i'm a part of this and i play and i serve i just don't go to church there i am the church there and that's their request. We need new ministers. I'm going to end with Luke 10 too. I love this scripture. Luke 10 too, Jesus says to his disciples this, <coughs> The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest, there is so much harvest, but there's so little workers to receive it. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for leaders, for workers to step up and to lead so that, guess what? More harvest can be received. Church, it is harvest season. We're in the fall. Our neighborhoods are ripe. Your friendships are ripe. Our schools are ripe. We, me, you, us, we are the ones to work. And I'm asking you to join with me. I'm not asking you to do it in my place so I could take a break. No, no, no. You know me better than that. I'm asking you to join with me in this ministry that we call New City Church. Because when we're ready to receive it, God will give it. So next steps for you. You can go out to that table and say, this is the one I want to look at. This is the ministry that I'm curious in. You can find somebody that will stand in and say, I'm going to partner with you next week. What are you doing? Right? Or you can just jump in because you already know. You already know exactly where you need to serve. And with that, I'm going to quit talking. <laughs>